It's Japanese, right? <laughs> I'm not sure. I think so. Huh. Sort of pretty. This must be what undergoing the Vulcan ritual of Kalinar is like. I like your sweater. Are you saying that to be cruel? No. I like your sweater. I saw no reason not to share. Well then. Shall we go fuck some shit up? Yes. Yes. Yes, definitely. Definitely, yes. Uh, hey everyone. Welcome to Physical Kids Weekly. I'm Clara. And I'm Danny. And we're here to talk about episode 111, Remedial B- Battle Magic. We're joined again by Nate D'Agostino. Uh, yay! So, hi Nate. Welcome back. Hi guys. Thanks <laughs> for having me, guys. Uh, Thanks so much for coming. Um, Before we get into the episode, I want to talk about the season three teaser that came out at Comic-Con. Did you both see the video? I saw like two minutes. (laughs) I saw like a a second of it and then had to like do something else. So I actually haven't seen it. (laughs) Oh, well, lucky you. I can play I can play the audio clip so you can't see it, but you can hear it, which maybe isn't quite as exciting. I saw Jason on a boat and that was about it. Yeah, I feel like that's that's the gist of it, but here, I'll play it for the listeners anyway. Yeah, pretty much. I don't know if there are any book readers still out there, but if you are, uh, this is something that Where does he I think we have went? been looking forward to for a really long I know, time. Right? <laughs> the journey of the Munjack teaches these characters something about giving. It's this living vessel that really does give every piece of it to its captain. <laughs> some music right there. <laughs> so this is the Munchak. This is our boat for season three. She's bigger than I thought she would be. So magical. This is called the main deck. It's so, so magical. We'll I had a feeling. Be able to shoot scenes on benches like here. I, I was like, I have to do it. I think I'm going to be exclusively doing this world. So yeah. I just want to work around that. Can we swim with a mermaid? This is the actual <laughs> interior. Not to be mermaid. <laughs> Mermaids, but I mean, I don't blame them for wanting to do mermaids. Yeah. Yeah, You're on a boat. It's Fillory. We're on our way to check out a boat. And now we're on our own little adventure. (laughs) Or we're good. I love Brittany. She's such a dork. One in the winch. Winching the winch. I was winching the winch. Halfway. Yeah, hedge winch. I feel like we're setting sail for Fillory. I don't know if Quentin knows how to swim. Well, yeah, you go ahead. You know you. Hope you guys know okay. it. Yeah, I've got it. You got it. I, I'm taking okay. the lead. So I hope you guys enjoyed this sneak peek. Thanks for sailing with us. Didn't we have an actual footage last year at Comic Con, or was that New York Comic Con? I don't remember. Um, the, I think there was actual footage last year, but also I think they were further into filming. Um, so this year in the, if you should go watch the video because they show some some like concept sketches of the set for the Munchak um, in the uh-huh. video, which is really cool. Um, I think it looks amazing and. I, like the main area, not the part with the tree, but the other shot that they give is exactly how I pictured it. It's it's really incredible. Awesome. Yeah, but yeah, we we have to talk about this because the video really they does. They were like literally only a week into filming or something like that, right? Yeah, they're like a week or two, and they spent like half of last week at Comic Con. So, <laughs> um, but yeah, I know. so. 
the video basically confirms what what Danny and I have been predicting since the end of season two, and I think even since like a little bit before the end of season two that. Season three is going to take place aboard the Munchak. It's going to center around a quest to save magic, uh, which is a big part of the plot of The Magician King, which is the second book in the series that the show is based on. And uh, I don't know. How cool is it to see the to like see the cast on the boat, to see those sets? Uh, I just loved it. I'm just like, I'm just so curious. I'm like, how how is Alice going to be tied into this? Like, they have to basically write her storyline from scratch. Yeah. Like, she's not involved. Uh, I mean, she might become place of what, Poppy, maybe? Oh, that would be so weird, though. <laughs> She's, like, replacing her own replacement? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so uh, weird. Well, I mean, with her there, there's no reason for Poppy. I feel like I saw right. some interviews about, like, Alice's storyline, that, like, a lot of it is going to center around her coming to terms with, like, who she is without magic. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and I feel like that'll be, that's going to be a really interesting journey for her, especially going from like being a really great magician to being pure magic as a Niffin to being like no magic whatsoever. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm really excited to see Julia because it's like she finally gets to get some credit because she's the only one with magic. Yeah, yeah. So she's, she's going to have to be the one saving everyone's ass. Yeah, and there was some tweet from from the magician sci-fi channel that was like that like referred to Goddess Julia or something like that. So I'm really excited for that. Nice. Too. <laughs> oh, they better they better do it. That's what I've been waiting for since <laughs> yeah. day one. Uh, Nate, I feel like we left you out. No, that's cool. Um, a lot of excitement, but yeah, I think she definitely has to be a core part of it, especially since she's the only one to really interact with the gods and everything, and she is the only one with magic. So. Going into the storyline, she's definitely going to play a crucial role, which I think will be really interesting because she was so, like, away from the group for so long that for them to kind of drop the hostility and, like, be forced to bring her in is going to be really interesting, especially, you know, her and Summer because she and Margo always don't really get along. So it'll be fun to see. Yeah. (laughs) I wonder, too, about, like, how they're going to pull off the goddess storyline if they do it, given that, like, part of, like, the thing about her becoming a goddess is really contingent upon her not having her shade, and she got it back at the end of season two. Right. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah, so That's I... That's true. I don't know. I mean, maybe they'll just take it another direction. Uh, I don't know. Maybe we're wrong. Maybe she won't be a goddess. Maybe they're just actually teasing us, but... <laughs> well, if she even goes on the Muntjack at all, like, she could have kind of, like, a greater purpose in Fillory, like, mm-hmm. reshaping it while they're away, so that'd be interesting, too. Yeah, and, like, isn't... Uh, Actually, this is I. I just I just noticed something. I just had a realization about season two, right? Like, so it's actually it's Quentin's fault that magic is dead in the TV show, mm-hmm. whereas it was really Julia's fault in the book. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I wonder if they're gonna flip that. So, like, maybe Julia will be the one who who saves magic, who does the whole thing, and like maybe that'd be really weird. Maybe she gives up. Yeah, maybe she'll give up and then go to the other side of Fillory, um, yeah. and then they'll just like change the circumstances of how, how that happens. Probably. Yeah, uh, I'm looking forward to it. I can't wait. I can't believe we have to wait. Yeah. What is it? Five more months. Yeah, yeah. that 2018 was pretty harsh to see, but <laughs> it'll be worth it. I'm sure when they do New York Comic Con, we'll get some actual footage. Yeah. If they do it, they might not be able to since it'll probably be like right in the middle of them actually 
for for real filming. Like they yeah. they probably got to go to this because it was like it was pretty they early barely on. had started. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> well, I'm excited. I can't wait. 2018 can't come fast yeah. enough. <laughs> it's crazy though that we've it's been four months since the finale aired. Like. We're making yeah. our way through through that hiatus, managing our way. Somehow. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so we, sh- we should get into the episode. Um, we were talking about it a little bit yeah. after the last recording, and Nate, I think you said this is your favorite episode in the series. Is that right? Yeah, definitely, especially um, season one. Like, there were a couple in season two that came pretty close, but yeah, I think this one's just so revealing for all the characters, and Bottling the emotions is one of those really great adolescent themes that the magicians does so well. So it's definitely up there in the top five. I feel like there's two episodes for me that are tied for my favorite that I just can't choose between. What's the other but one? We haven't. Well, the first one is probably like uh, episode twelve of the season. Yeah. <laughs> and um, and then I think episode ten in season two, the girl who told time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's a good one too. Yeah, there's some really good ones, uh, but this is this is definitely up there too. I feel like the mm-hmm. you're mentioning the emotion bottles, which I mean, we obviously will have to talk about a lot. But I feel like it's one of those things that uh, really has impressed me about this show. Generally, they can take a really obvious metaphor, right? Like, I mean, it's an actual emotion bottle, right? Like, this is such a cliche about like bottling up your emotions, and yet they make it not cliched by bringing it to life on the screen like they make it a really they do it in a really smart way and one of the things that I noticed going back to this is how much that like trying to repress your emotions and having that fail is part of all the other plot lines too so like Penny is trying to drug his issues into oblivion and um, even like that one moment where like Katie is trying to pretend that she doesn't still care about Penny like there's all these little bits and pieces of people really trying to like repress how they feel or not deal with something head on it just like blows up in their face yeah but nate tell tell me more about what you like about this since it's your favorite um well i really like penny and alice kind of having their own little moments together i really like palace um, when they start without yeah (laughs) when they start practicing without the bottles is um really great i also love the opening like the cold opening with the um, probability spell. Oh, yeah. Because especially like for book readers, you know, like we never got any of that. So that was like so fresh. Like we had no idea what was going on and it was like so blood filled and everything. So I just think like really everything about this episode, um, especially like being a book reader, um, just like knocked it out of the park, you know. Yeah. Danny, how about you? What did you think? It was very good. um, Like since it, was something that happened in the book, but it was so different at the same time. The probability uh, magic? Yeah, I actually thought that the... Not the probability magic, but, like, the whole... Um, bottling the emotions is the reason the threesome happened, which is a lot better than <laughs> how it goes down in the book. Yeah, like, they're drunk yeah. on their feelings <laughs> instead of being drunk on alcohol. <laughs> or just, like, lost. Like, the only thing, though, it's like... I. I tell people who like haven't read the books that have watched the show like how much more hurtful it is when it happens in the book because it's like you have that established like four year long relationship between yeah. Quentin and Alice whereas mm. like in the show it's like they've known each other for six months <laughs> like you just don't it's not the same connection and 
I mean, it, it changes a lot of season one because of that, though. And, yeah. and like, in relationships in general. But I still, like, think they did a really good job with bringing it to life. Like, uh, like you feel bad for Margot in that moment. Oh, and they're just their connection that they make. Um, it's just way different than the books. In the books, it's just, like, Janet probably did it on purpose. Like, Yeah, well, and we've talked about this before, you and I. I don't know if we talked about it in the podcast, but we've, we have talked on the podcast about the fact that they, like, flip a lot of lines in the show. And so, like, Alice and Janet slash Margot, like, their lines flip a lot. And this is one of those really impactful yeah. moments because Margot has that line. Like, she's the one who talks to... Quentin about how like he really believes in magic and most people don't and that's rare and Mm -hmm. so it it, like gives them a real connection to to build this moment off and also like you see how vulnerable they both are like I I really noticed when um when they come off the emotions um when they are like when they get their emotions back Alice like immediately is like I love you Quentin I love you Quentin do you know that and he's like I feel so alone and mm-hmm. it it really like shows that disconnect. And then the next day when they wake up and uh, Quentin is all bitter about Alice being like amazing at magic and him not being as good, uh, you can just you can you feel more of that. It just becomes really real. And with Margot like missing Elliot and Elliot refusing to acknowledge that anything is wrong, there's so much of that like toxicity in the air. They're so mm-hmm. vulnerable and so in pain, and, and you really get it. Yeah. I think you get a lot of that, too, once Alice and Penny go off the bottles, because that really puts, like, the divide between yeah. the group. Yeah. That they want to be more, like, focused and disciplined. So I think that, in a way, kind of led to the breakup, because, like, of all people, um, like, I would say Penny is kind of, like, Quentin's Achilles heel. Like, yeah. that's where most of his insecurities in the group come from. And I feel like the same can be said for Margot and Alice. Like, even though Alice yeah. is this, like, expert magician and everything, still um, Margot's the person that, you know, is, they can bring her down. So for her to go off with Penny and for him to go off with Margot, just, like, really, um, I don't really know, like, the word to, like, how to put it into words, but it's just, like... It's like a gut most, punch. You know? Yeah, definitely. <laughs> The way that they react to, like, emotion bottles in general, like, just speaks to kind of, like, who they are. Uh, It reminds me a lot of, like, mental illness and, like, how people deal with it. Um, Like, Margo's probably the one that's secretly taking medication, you know, Mm. but probably doesn't tell anyone about it. Uh, Yeah, because she wants to see the Elliot's the person that abuses medication. Mm -hmm. Quentin's the one that, like, really needs it. Yeah. Um... Penny's the one that probably thinks that it doesn't really exist or work. Uh, <laughs> and then Alice is the person who just kind of... Fe- it's that, that person that tries to tell you that they understand mental illness, but has never really dealt with it themselves. Hmm. That's interesting, because I feel like Alice... Like, Alice does have a lot of issues. They're just... You're they're right that they're different. They're not depression issues, though. Like, right. they're not anxiety issues. Like, I've met people like that. They've been through a lot, but... They don't really understand what depression's like actually like, but they try to be like, "Oh, I understand," but it's like, "No, you don't understand." And Quentin basically tries to tell her that. Yeah, her issues are more like grief and loss and dealing with a narcissistic family, and it's it, it like it's more conditioned by external factors, 
whereas Quentin's depression is more internal. Yeah. It really also, like, all of their reactions just made me think of, um, like, how people with, like, depression or anxiety will, like, purposely push people away. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Maybe that was, like, Quentin with the threesome in the end. Yeah. Like, maybe yeah. he was, like, subconsciously trying to get back at Alice anyway. Yeah. For, like, going off with Penny. Well, I think he's also, I mean, like, there's two parts of it. I think you're right that he's subconsciously, like, trying to get at Alice. And it's partly for Penny. I also think it's partly because he just is jealous of her and uh, really insecure about her, too. But it's also, he's had this, like, sublimated desire for Elliot forever that he hasn't been able to fully admit to himself. And so, like, you you get the conditions just right. (laughs) And I'm sure he's definitely, you know... (laughs) Attracted to Margot. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Yeah. Oh man, the then, gift sets that come out of this episode, though. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it was one of those things that were just like, oh, is it going to be like? Are they going to actually show it? But that's more like next episode where they like recap it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, they don't show it. They don't actually show it in this episode, right? Like I they, think show they show like, like a, a snippet. Second. Yeah, they show like yeah, it's like a little bit. Yeah. yeah. They show like a second with Margot and a second with. So, all the good stuff's in the next episode. Yeah. <laughs> all, all the best gift sets come out of 112. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So, I, I want to talk too about um, Penny, like Penny's storyline, how he's dealing with the voice of the beast. So, there's the like drugging himself into oblivion uh, to try to like get rid of the voice. But I think it's really interesting his relationship with the with the beast and having the beast voice in his head, because like for his whole life, that's been a comforting thing up until now. And Uh so he really did like let the beast in. And my husband pointed out something really interesting. So my husband is an audio engineer. He edits most of these episodes. Um, And one of the things he pointed out was that uh, the recording of the beast voice is treated really differently than most like, voices that you hear in your head and even the other voices of this episode. So like most of the time, if you hear like voices or like psychic things on TV, it's like really echoey and reverby. Um, you guys know what I'm talking about? Yeah. 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 And you get that with like the voice of the woman who the beast is imprisoning. Like there's that same, uh, like, Victoria. yeah, there's that same echoey reverby bit. Um, but the mm-hmm. beast voice is treated very differently. It's, it's really dry so it's like he's in a very very small room um Mm -hmm. and i thought that was super interesting for a lot of reasons i mean one just because it is different and it's interesting that they sort of like call out in the way that they do the audio that the beast is different from everybody else but also i think that specific choice to like make it drier it it feels like it's trying to show that Penny's relationship with the beast is more intimate. Like he actually is in Penny's head because he belongs there and he was invited. And I think that's why it's like so much harder for Penny to deal with that voice. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He like can't get rid of it. Oh, yeah. He just feels so betrayed too. Yeah. 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 Um, I just thought that was so interesting and I was super excited when my husband mentioned that cause I never would have noticed on my own. <laughs> Yeah, I always really wish they did more with, like, um, his past and his relationship with the Beast. Because it would have been, like, a lot of, like, setup, you know, for the Beast to, like, be able to exploit that. Because you have to think, like, the whole time, like, in Martin's mindset, he would have just been, like, thinking long term. That he's a traveler and he's trying to round them all up. Because we see in this episode he goes for his mentor and he goes for Joe. Yeah. 
So, yeah, I think it would have been really cool if they, like, kind of went back and, like, showed us, like, that, you know, he used to teach him, like, how to use magic before he knew how. And then kind of just, like, to see the um, disintegration of the relationship and see, like, his true colors and, um, like, all the horrifying stuff to come out of it, I think would have been really interesting. Because, yeah. I don't know, I never was really that impacted by it. Like, I was pretty impacted by, like, his madness and everything, but you never really got, like, the um, gist of, like, how Penny was feeling and how betrayed and hurt he was. Yeah, and the thing is, right, like, you know that he must be, right? Like, he doesn't let many people in, and in the space of, like, two weeks, (laughs) in the space of a few weeks, like, two people who he's let in closely, like Katie and, and, and the Beast turn out to have, like, really seriously betrayed him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's weird that they didn't do anything with it. It's, like, almost like they forgot that they wrote it as a plot point because it's, like, when they meet the Beast, like, there's no weird moment between Penny and the Beast. There's no, like, hesitation in cutting off his hands or yeah. even just saying anything. And yeah. when he, like, goes to collect the Beast in season two, there's nothing said between them either. It's yeah. just kind of mm-hmm. weird. It's like they forgot their own plot point that they wrote in. I kind of wondered if they might have done more like Nate was talking about, like, and it just didn't make it in to the final cut. Maybe. Um, yeah. Because I could see that being the kind of thing where they're like, mm, we don't have enough time for this. <laughs> time to move on. Yeah. Maybe. Um, okay. Mm-hmm. Anything else about the break bill set, about the motion bottles you guys wanted to get into? Um... I think Margot and Elliot is another relationship that's pretty interesting. That becomes even more strained with the bottles because mm. um, they're both feeling pretty alone, yeah. which is like new for them. Because even when they are alone, at least they have each other. But at this point, like with he just killing Mike, and she just got back to Mark Olam and everything, they're still like on those like polar opposites. They haven't really been brought together. So just like in terms of bottling your emotions and the consequences, I just. I think it was really um, admirable that the writers didn't really uh, miss it with any of the relationships. Yeah, and they're they're two people who really don't deal with their emotions in any kind of raw form, like, ever. (laughs) Um, Mm -hmm. So I think it's really, like, I think you're right that it's, the emotion bottles affect them even more than they affect a lot of other people because they're so used, I mean, they, they kind of are so used to bottling their emotions, right? Like, they really... Right. They really try to keep things out. Yeah, and they all go right back to it, you know. Like, once they have the emotions, they, like, don't really deal with anything that came up. They just kind of push it all back. And Yeah. Yeah. So I, I just looked it up because I forgot to mention at the beginning. Um, this episode was written by Leah Fong, who, Danny, you said that she's no longer on staff. Is that right? I don't know if she's no longer on staff, um, but she's definitely a head writer on Once Upon a Time now. So she, I don't think she is. Yeah, so she hasn't been writing like her own episodes at least season seven and the new season no season six and season seven of once upon a time where pretty much she's a head writer on so man their gain the magician's loss this is such a great episode <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah uh i don't know if you guys watch once upon a time the reboot looks pretty interesting they said that they're gonna have a queer main character cool because they cool. felt like they felt like they really uh they didn't get very positive uh, reaction to like the characters they did make gay in the, in the last season. I think I only watched up until uh, up until the uh, the frozen characters showed up. 
a lot of people stopped watching then. I actually like the Frozen arc. It's really good. Um, and then there's another arc that happens after that, the Dark Swan, which is mm. Emma being evil, which is probably their best one. And it, it actually takes in uh, Camelot. So. Maybe, I'll, maybe I'll go back and check that out because I like the idea of, uh, of Dark Emma. So <laughs> It's good. Um, it's good. It's better. It, it's like the thing about Once Upon a Time is I think it's just too long of seasons. So they just they drag shit out. <laughs> um, they, they could benefit heavily from a 13 episode season. Mm, maybe they could just like switch the number of episodes in a season of the magicians because... Yeah, I'll be cool with two episodes of The Magicians. But the thing is, is 13 episode arcs are the best. They're really good. Always are. They're solid. 22 episode seasons, like, it's it's great at first when you're first getting to know characters. But then after a while, it just becomes filler, 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 Mm -hmm. filler. Like, Arrow fucking sucks now. Yeah, I was just about to say. (laughs) That's definitely. Like how I feel about Arrow. This is this is the thing that okay, so this is almost on topic because there's so many Star Trek references in this episode. But like that, this is the thing <laughs> with Star Trek, right? Like Star Trek always had the 20, 24, 26 season episodes or twenty six episode seasons, um, and it's like you always watch it, you always stick with it, you always are like, there's some solid episodes in here, and then there's always just there just is always like three or four filler episodes where you're just like, all right, whatever. This was fun, I guess. <laughs> it's, that's fine. But like, that's before TV had like, you know, like 20, 30, 40 shows on TV. People just can't keep up. So it's like mm-hmm. filler episodes just aren't worth it anymore. There's going to be new Star Trek starting in November. I'm excited about it. <laughs> it looks, it it looks pretty amazing. I saw the trailer. I actually have been talking about doing another podcast for that with a friend of mine because um, she's like super, she's super into like radical politics um, and just mm-hmm. knows like tons and tons ab- about it. And I feel like those are the best Star Trek podcasts are the ones that like really dig deep into the like crazy ass world building and the politics of it. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. Someone was telling me to start, like, a Game of Thrones one, and I was just like, I would love to, but there's already, like, what, like, a million out there? (laughs) Oh, yeah, definitely. I was going to do a Handmaid's Tale one, and then they released the first four episodes all together, and I was like, nope, can't do it. (laughs) Can't. (laughs) Yeah. I'm not prepared. (laughs) I'm not prepared. Um, Hulu loves to do, like, all at once. Yeah. Like, at least, like, they'll, like, try, they're trying to compete with Netflix, so they'll do, like, some at once, and then they'll release the rest, like. Week by week. All right. Um, Let, let's get back yeah. to the magicians, because as fun as this is, uh, these are for <laughs> other podcasts that we write in our heads, <laughs> because we're masochists. Uh, <laughs> all right. So we talked about break bills, but let's talk about Julie and the Free Traders, too. So, so Nate, what do you... Mm-hmm. Let's start with you. What do you think about this arc? Um, I think it's really interesting. Um, two things really stuck out. I thought, like, the modern take on vampires was really interesting. Like, the oh, yeah. blood and the needles and everything was really cool. Um, I also love Julia's reaction um, when she's kind of like the chosen one that like the whole group is like, yeah, like not really anything's happening until you got here. And I just think it's a really beautiful moment because it's kind of goes like into what we've seen at the end of season two, where she's just like so astonished that like of all the people, like it's her, like, you know, she still has that kind of like um, feeling that she doesn't deserve it, like after getting kicked out of break bills. So I just thought it was a really nice, like, yeah, um, a foreshadowing moment. That's I like though. that, but it also it's like she's she's catching on to the fact that it's weird. She yeah. knows yeah. something's wrong. Yeah, that's where I was she gonna go with that it. too. Like it's 
yeah, like her imposter syndrome in this particular episode sort of turns out to be foreshadowing. Yeah. Is this the one where they actually say you can't unring a bell or is that the next one? I think it's the next one. Um, Yeah, I think it might be the next one. But yeah. 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 One thing I noticed about this in, in like all the interactions that Julia and Katie have with with all the like weird people that they encounter, all the like shady characters they encounter on their way to like try to figure out how to summon OLU. So the the like mm. what is it? Is is it a demon that takes the form of Katie's mom? Yeah, I looked it up. It was like uh, a yeah. Lamory or something. Lamory. And it has yeah. Oh, oh, I, I remember I that from the, the book. Subtitle on it so I could yeah so I could figure out what it was it's like um I think it says it has the head of a woman and the body of a serpent that used to allure youths and children in order to suck their blood yeah I remember that I remember them I think it's like an offhand thing in the book but I remember them talking about like all the different all the different like mythical creatures yeah so when they're talking to to the Lamory um uh she's the one who like makes the comment about the two Julias uh, yeah. And as a book reader, I thought that was really cool because we don't really get to see much of Julia number one in the show. Yeah. Yeah, I loved that because it was like, she, I mean, in her opening of when she starts telling her story, she's like talking about how she became two Julias in the book. Yeah. Well, and I, I loved what, like, the, the, the thing that they end up, like, striving for both they're they're like all trying to like fix their mistakes and then when Julia and Katie go and talk to people like everyone who talks to them is like tempting them more by being like oh yeah the goddess can make you whole mm-hmm. um which i mean it turns out is <laughs> true <laughs> yeah actually that is literally true like that's what happens with Julia like OLU eventually makes her whole after kind of ruining her life but well i guess it's not OLU but <laughs> after her life gets ruined yeah God, like the people who haven't read the book, like yeah, there's so much that you when they get to episode. that part with when they get back to that part with Julia, like at the end of season two, and she like doesn't kill Reynard. People get so pissed. Yeah, mm-hmm. like the people I watched with that hadn't read the book were fucking fuming. <laughs> like she went through all of that bullshit and got people to basically fucking hate her. And she still didn't do it. Yeah. And I was just like, well, but uh, people didn't like that. And I still think it was pretty in character for her not to do it. Oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah. Um, I agree. And I mean, she's not the one who does it in the books. So. Yeah. 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 There's that. But it's just like, and so that Katie's reaction is so like exactly what I would think would she would be pissed yeah. and she's the one that wants to kill him more. Well, um, and especially after she gets forced to to kill um Senator Gaines. Right. Oh man. <laughs> yeah. Season 2 though is like I I I it's a love hate with Julia's character. Yeah. It's very much cuz it's not Julia, but it is at the same time. Well, and also so it's like so like such a struggle. Stella gets so much screen time, and it's great to see that. Uh, but it is also like all trauma and pain, and you're just like, can can you please just give give her throw somebody just throw her a bone, please? It just sucks. It just sucks as someone who 
absolutely adores Julia just to hear people hate on her like so much and it's just like even people I know and it's just like I just want to be like you guys need to read the books like you'll understand Julia so much more I feel like Uh, for you and and I it took it took us so long to even like acknowledge that that people could hate show Julia and like there might be reasons for them to hate show Julia and it's it's true that with show Julia there are reasons right like she has a lot of she does a lot of fucked up shit but when you are so attached she's to the book character. Much, <laughs> she's very much an anti-hero. She just makes dumb decisions, but it's based off of grief and, and PTSD. And I tell people, and I'm like, would yeah. you not fucking react the same way? Yeah. Like, like she like finds out right before the, the showdown with the Beast at the end of season one that she, everything that happened right before. Of course she's going to do something stupid. Like, yeah. Nobody... They probably should have left her behind. Well, and they didn't know, right? Like, they didn't know either. Everybody but found Quentin out the same knew. Quentin knew he should have left her behind. Yeah, but, you know, like, Quentin. <laughs> Quentin yeah. made good decisions. Definitely not OTP. <laughs> yeah. Quentin it's and good decisions like, are like spades. She makes... She just makes all these bad decisions out of PTSD, and it sucks, because yeah. it's like... It's just like, she's never... She's now never going to be... The Julia that she was in the books though she's very much been severed from that like she's very different she she makes these decisions that book Julia would probably never make yeah 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 but I feel like in her core she's still pretty Julia like uh, in some ways definitely say a little more um we'll just feel like in terms of like determination Mm. Um, yeah, she has the same drive. Like when I said she's split into two, yeah, split into two Julias, and also kind of like her resilience. Like she isn't really faced when the whole group doesn't like her when she comes back with the beast and everything. Like she's kind of like whatever. Like I got bigger fish to fry. I've been through other stuff. So, and I also think that um, people that don't like Julia's character, and I don't really want to like belittle anybody, but or like say that they don't get it. But I feel like they're not really like. Um, getting as much from her character as they could because a like she's what was different about the 39 times you know like that was what was changed so a she's like a really really, like pivotal part of the story but also like she's this like extremely good example of like privilege and like i think people are just so caught on like okay well like quentin's my favorite character elliot's my favorite character like break bill so like everything else is just kind of like a distraction so i feel like in that sense like when people say they don't like Julia, I feel like they just really need to go back and kind of take another look and be like, well, like, what would you do? Like, if you got into a magic school and they didn't want you. Yeah. So. Yeah. Like, yeah. what would you, how would you act out your pain? Right. It's, it's so hard to explain that to people. And I think they just don't get Julia. And it like upsets me because I'm like, I mean, I've always related to Julia and I'm just like, I feel like I'm like, I'm telling people, if you hate Julia, you hate me. Like, like she's definitely more privileged than I am. That's for sure. But yeah. like, yeah, same. I'm definitely not um, or anything, but yeah, or like, get, like her struggles and everything, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I, I just don't get where people can be like, oh, I hate Julia, but I love Margot because she's funny. And I'm like, yeah, but she's also a cunt all the time. Like, <laughs> but that's forgivable. Yeah. Or, she's a yeah, cunt I guess all, if you do it in style. all the time. Yeah, yeah. I have the same argument that with like people who are like, I hate Julia, but I love Quentin. And I'm like, I... Mm-hmm. they're they're like two sides of the same coin in a lot of ways. <laughs> yeah. And I also think that a lot of the people that do have a problem with Julia, like you said, Danny, are like show 
people. Like they haven't read the books. So yeah. They don't really have that. They don't have that deep like, connection. Deep grasp of who she is. Right. And they also haven't read Magician King, which I mean, with Munt Jack coming up, like you have to get on that. But that's really like her part of the story. And it like simultaneously happens with season one. So I feel like yeah. she kind of gets sidelined. Yeah, you miss lot, all that like descent lot, into yeah. hell. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah. you miss a lot. You miss her her issues. You miss the real true safe house. You miss like mm-hmm. what Free Trainer Beowulf was actually like. Mm-hmm. It's very different. It's a very different journey. Yeah. Yeah. Well, as always, read the books if you haven't. Yeah, Yeah. the books. It's like the the number one moral of this podcast: read the books. (laughs) Yeah, every time. Every time. Um, Okay, so uh, we have passed forty minutes already. So I guess we should. Anything else you want to talk about about the episode before we move to fashion? Um. Yeah, I actually did have one thing that I thought was really interesting that piqued my interest, especially with. Um, God killing and everything last season was the Leo blade that they talked about. Oh yeah, um, that Martin um, never found in Fillory. So I wonder if you guys think it could still be there, and if it might come into play with the whole God storyline we have coming up. That's a really good question. Is the Leo blade what they made? What did they make? I listened to it a couple times because I was confused by that too. Because they said that it was the knife maker. So I think the way they explained it in the show was it was the same knife maker, but Martin had also made a blade but never went back for it. Hmm. So it was hidden somewhere in Fillory, but they never found the blade. They just went to the knife maker so when they got it. So that's like a fourth god-killing weapon that's like hanging around somewhere? Right. right. Chekhov. Yeah. Chekhov yep. is demanding answers. How many gods mm-hmm. are going to fucking die? <laughs> I know. Oh, oh my god, is that Dobby that's making all those noises? <laughs> uh, Dobby is Danny's cat, Aww. so if you hear all those meows, those are Dobby. Oh, what a cutie! <laughs> he uh, he demanded to be let into my room, so someone let him in. Oh, yeah. Though I also speaking sorry, of the Leo ahead. blade, I I always wonder like, are there ten other blades just like hanging around? Are we gonna get one for <laughs> right. all? The- oh, oh. Also, wait. I just thought of a really great joke that makes whoever uses them a zodiac killer. Oh, snap. Wow. <laughs> I'll be here all week. <laughs> oh, Danny. <laughs> I, just, uh, I broke I was, Danny. I was like, we hadn't had a pun yet, and here it is. <laughs> you, you know I had to get one in. <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, Danny, I keep thinking of you because um, the barista at the coffee shop at my work, his name is Aries. That's crazy. Yeah. I wonder if they were named after the sign or the god of war. I, I wonder. Well, actually, it's not the god of war because it's not spelled that way. It's spelled like the sign. Hmm. Oh, yeah. Like, yeah. I, like yes, not, yeah. Not just yes. I mean, I think you can spell the god of war either way because Ares, the sign, is also named technically after the god of war. Oh, okay. But yeah, I thought I, I keep thinking of that. I keep meaning to tell you and I keep forgetting. So I'm glad I remembered. <laughs> All right. I don't know. I, I lost the thread. Did we have anything else? Um, no, I think we were just talking about the blade. But um, I don't know. I think it would be interesting to see it come back again because, like, how we were saying earlier about how we never really saw any interactions with, like, Penny and the Beast. But, like, we could still see more stuff, you know? Like, just because the Beast died doesn't mean they yeah. had to completely write him off the show. Like, we could see stuff in uh, flashbacks, so I, I hope, think that'd be really cool. I hope we if get to see more. If it did end up coming back to play. 
Yeah, me I, too. I need more Beast. There's need, not enough. Yeah. I need him to sing more. <laughs> I need, yeah, I need him to sing more, too. And, oh, that was the other thing about Comic-Con. Did you see, like, some of the interviews that came out of it? Apparently there's going to be a singing battle in... What? Yeah, in season three there's going to be a singing battle. And I was wondering if... Okay, close your ears if you don't want any spoilers from the books. I was wondering if it's going to be the battle on, um, on Benedict Island. Oh, that would be awesome. Wouldn't that be amazing yeah. if that were a singing battle? That would be really great. I could also <laughs> see them getting drunk and just doing like karaoke on the Munt Jack. Would be awful. <laughs> that would be great. <laughs> yeah, I wonder if they'll do an entire musical episode this time. Yes, oh, please. Uh, you know that John McNamara is just like chomping at the bit to make this happen. So he's I, waiting. Yeah. He's waiting for his Buffy moment where he can do once more with feeling. Yeah, and now mm. now that like all the critics were like season two makes the magicians the new Buffy, I feel like he's got his his ammunition. He can he can make that mm-hmm. negotiation. He can win. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe that's why it took so long for them to renew because they were like fighting over whether they could get budget for a full musical episode. <laughs> yeah, because like you have to license. Yeah, you have, you have to, to license, license so anything you sing. So it's like, yeah. <laughs> did you know that we had to license for the birthday video for that we did for Jason? I like I licensed uh, "Shake It Off." <laughs> yeah, I remember that. <laughs> Cost like five hundred bucks oh, too, or something like that. What? I think actually, I don't think it's that. I don't think that's right. I think it was like one hundred and fifty, but it was some like. You actually had to pay real money for it. <laughs> so. oh, still though, that's crazy. T Swift probably man. wouldn't. Probably wouldn't if it was anyone other than Taylor Swift. But <laughs> well, if it was the Beatles, you'd probably have to pay more. <laughs> but, oh wow! <laughs> I feel like the Beatles music is so old; it should be public do- domain at this point. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, all right. How long does something take to be public domain? Is it a hundred years? It's a- so it's actually kind of complicated. Uh, like there, there's something about like how long it's in your family, and right now it's not gonna be public domain because as long as Paul McCartney's still alive, and then I feel mm. like it still would go to like his kids and maybe his kids' kids. I don't know all the details. Linear will probably school me on this because uh, his dad's a lawyer, so <laughs> uh, I'll, yeah. I'll know by the time the episode comes out, but I won't be able to do anything about it. <laughs> I'll tweet y'all. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Cool. Um, okay. Fashion. Fashion. Yeah. I, I, oh, there's a lot of fashion this episode. Oh, good. I'm glad you have fashion notes because I only have one. Yeah. <laughs> um. Okay. So Q's jacket in the beginning, the green one, I really like the one that's like the uh, one I'm wearing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's great. Um. I also love Penny's cardigan that he has at the end. That also like is the cape that he has. Um. It's like a long brown cardigan. Wait. But do you mean like the caftan that he's wearing? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, so that was my note was the caftan. I thought it was really interesting that he was wearing a caftan because it's like his look in season one is so much more like punk bohemian and mm-hmm. a caftan is much more like traditional um, traditional garb. Uh, gotcha. And to be like doing that while they're like trying to learn old school spells. Yeah. <laughs> I also, I think it's the same one he wears. It might be next episode where he does that like twirl and like flips it up like a cape almost. <laughs> yeah, they wear. I like, mean, they wear the same it, outfits for a while after this, right? And then Olivia has <laughs> to wear the same outfit for like a million years. <laughs> Season mm-hmm. two. Yeah. Um, I like their. I liked pretty much all of their outfits. Uh, I remember them all standing out quite a bit. Um, they all looked pretty stylish. 
I remember one other thing that I remembered was um, the shirt that Margot's wearing. I think in the beginning, that's like all of the, it's just like all the like stringy bits together. Oh, you know what I'm talking yeah. about? Like, uh, it almost looks woven. It's really cool. Mm. Yeah. And I actually, when I was looking at fashion, I realized that I'm like, well, one, I'm wearing like the jacket. I'm wearing a jacket that's very similar to the one that Quentin wears. And I'm also wearing a dress that's very similar to one of the ones that Alice wears. So oh, I'm, okay, I'm cool. repping Qualys right now. <laughs> very nice. Also, I'm repping a lot of dog hair, apparently. <laughs> Probably because I'm using my dog's blanket. <laughs> Probably. <laughs> Um, any other looks that, like, really stood out to you in this episode? Um, I also liked Margot. I think she had, like, a yellow jacket when they went to, um, Katie. She has so many great jackets. Was that one of the, like, the, like, um, half, half half-length ones? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Yeah. She has a lot of really great fashion. Yeah, it's a good episode for fashion. It was. I'm glad you guys noticed so much. (laughs) I feel like yeah. I was a slacker. I just thought that. they all looked on fleek this episode. Yeah. Oh yeah. What one other thing that I just have noticed about this season in general is how much um like I I've noticed the difference in like Julia's style between season 1 and season 2. Like in season 2 it is so much darker. Like she basically wears black <laughs> or shades of gray all the time. Um, and she wears like tight fitting things. And in this one, she wears more loose fitting outfits and she wears more colors. Like, I don't Mm -hmm. think we saw the, that blue coat, um, in any of season two and she wears it in like four episodes this season. Oh yeah. I don't think she wore it in this one, but I remember it in a whole bunch of others. Yeah. Yeah. I think it really like speaks of her character development too. Like in the first Mm -hmm. season, she was really like guarded and everything. So explains like why she was like more um in tighter clothes and in, like the darker um palette I, I was actually thinking that in like one of the things in season two that is so interesting about that is because she's in all of the like blacks and grays the like monotones i was wondering if mm-hmm. that was like related to the loss of her shade probably oh yeah that could be too yeah i didn't even think of that we really got to get Magali on the on the podcast who <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> told us uh, remember Arjun told us yeah. that well, that's probably yeah. never going <laughs> It's like, oh, that's never going to happen. Yeah. She likes to let her work speak for really itself. On social media. <laughs> yeah. Um, one thing I did want to talk about, though, I don't know if we got to, was um, there was a line, I think Margot, like when she was getting really intimate with um, Quentin, was talking about how she hopes that Fillory can fix Elliot. Aww. So I just think that like, after we've been through season two, like that was just so satisfying to see. It was like really great setup. Yeah, I hope it gets better because uh, Elliot definitely becomes his own in Fillory, and yeah. that still has not happened too much yet. I feel like we were think- starting to get it before everything went to shit with the fairies in season two. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a good yeah. reason for them to leave too on the Munchak. Yeah. Yeah, because uh, a lot of that actually happens behind the scenes on the Munchak while Quentin is gone. Like. Quentin disappears right. and comes back, and Elliot's just like, "I'm high king now. I have I have absorbed <laughs> my place. I'm into this. I got everything." And Quentin's like, "What the fuck? Yeah. I was gone for like a second. <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah. Um, should we move forward to MVP? Yeah, MVP. All right. So I'm gonna start us off, if you don't mind. This was such a tough one for me because it's an ensemble episode, and it's it's a really good ensemble mm-hmm. episode. But I'm gonna go with Summer. 
Um, I think, like, her vulnerability in this episode, it's so affecting. It's so different from what we've seen from her this season. I don't know. Summer, that's what it was for me. Danny? Mine's Jason. Absolutely, 100%. (laughs) Um, He just shifts a lot in the episode. Mm. He goes from being happy to being, like, energetic and excited to, like, fucking depressed. He... Mm. I, and also just specifically for his line that he shares um, with Katie where he's like, you don't just stop giving a shit about oh, a person the second they fuck up. Yeah. That's a good line. That's like one of my favorite lines in the whole show. I'm glad you mm-hmm. mentioned that because I don't think we talked about it. <laughs> yeah. We didn't. Um, I love that part. And then, of course, when he gets really excited about like the battle magic, he's like, this is straight up D&D. Like, he's just <laughs> yeah. like, such a nerd. <laughs> <laughs> Cool. I'm really glad you brought that quote up too because it's one of my favorites from this episode. It really like gets the whole theme of it. Um, But my MVP, um, it was Summer, but just to be a little different, I'm gonna go with Arjun. I really do love like how you said Summer's vulnerability, but also like her range because in that first scene, like she has to act like Elliot's dead, and then like going through like everything else. But I mean, especially Arjun with just like dealing with all the madness of the beast, and then that scene of him in the hospital bed where he's like all curled up and everything. I love when he's like super drugging himself out, locked himself in the his room, and he's like listening to ska music. Because I'm like, that's so fucking actual. <laughs> Penny. <laughs> I feel like my my favorite moments from Penny were actually were like once he gets hospitalized and he's like brooding on his own, and then um, uh, is that Sunderland? I yeah, is, who comes yeah. in right? Um, I just love how she like she just does not take any of his crap, and um, mm. she's the one who snaps him out of it because of that. Because she's just like, "Fuck you! You think you're the only one who's ever had problems? Right? <laughs> yeah. I'm cute and blonde and sociable, and I dealt with the same shit." <laughs> but that's like what he needed, you know? Like exactly. He's so, like distant. He's not the kind of person that wants to be coddled, you know? Well, that's what I mean. I think she's always like being the one to like give him a slap in the face to wake him up and and get him out yeah. of things. Definitely, and it's good to have like some semblance of reality. <laughs> Packed. I, mm-hmm. I still, sh- I still ship them. He's, oh yeah, me too. I love that. <laughs> yeah. too. She's like, maybe when you're older. <laughs> She's my yeah. favorite dominatrix. Let's let's be real. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I miss I miss her outfits. Um, she never mm-hmm. her one in this episode was not like super exciting, but I love her outfits in general. Um, my work, we're doing like a. Uh, like a dress update tomorrow we're all supposed to wear ties and I don't know be nerds um and I keep thinking about um all of those episodes where she was just wearing like a pencil skirt oh like white starch shirt and a tie down the middle and I'm like that's that's what I wish I could pull off but nice (laughs) I don't think I have the clothes for it so all right yeah rating Danny you want to start us off I think I'll go for 10 out of 10 (laughs) <laughs> perfect score very good I think this is the first one you've given yeah. in a while yeah <laughs> you've been trying not to paint yourself into the corner I just really hate the last episode the one <laughs> it was like the last one that I it was like the last episode that I think I hated though and then like ever since then it's just been great I really liked mm. all the live tweeting of that episode though because I think that's the only one that Lev has live tweeted <laughs> and oh the one before this no, the la- oh oh you hated the previous episode. Uh, I thought you meant yeah. the finale. No. Okay. <laughs> I liked I liked the finale. I liked the finale. I had very mixed feelings about the finale, but I'll save them for then. And 
<laughs> I I like it up until like the end. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, <laughs> let, 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 let's keep focus on this episode for now. Nate, I'm gonna I'm gonna give you second billing. I will also give it a ten. Um, I feel like season one, especially, you know, they were finding their way a lot. This one really just encompassed everything that we've come to know about the magicians and come to love about all the characters. And just like the whole theme of bottling emotions, I feel it couldn't be more appropriate for a show like this. Yeah, yeah, it's really well done. Well, I feel like I'm being stingy because I gave it a 9 out of 10. (laughs) But it's not that I don't think it's great. Like, I think all the things you guys are saying are absolutely right. It's just that I like the next episode better. So I got to leave myself a little little room for cream. (laughs) All right. Well, I guess that's it, right? I think so. All right. um, I do want to make an announcement. Um, So this is sort of more of a long-term thing. Um, We're going to have to move our our podcast from SoundCloud to another service. I don't know if you guys have been following the news, but SoundCloud has not been doing well, and it looks like there's a decent chance they might be shutting down. Um, So... Mm -hmm. uh, we're, I'm going to be trying to move us over to another service um, soon, but uh, that might be a process. And one of the things that might happen whenever we end up doing that is um, you're, if you like are automatically subscribed and have it auto-download episodes, all of the episodes that we've done might show up as new. Uh, so just to warn you, um, like sometime in the next couple, in the next like few weeks or month, um, that might happen. Don't freak out. We didn't make like 30 new episodes. It's, it's just a thing that happens when you switch services. So I thought sound, I thought like a bunch of rappers were like trying to save SoundCloud or whatever. Well, if they do, yeah, then we won't have to do this, but I'll be super, I'm, I'm super sad cause they've been like a great host and I really like SoundCloud. Yeah. Uh, me too. They make everything super I mean, easy. I, per- I like it, but I definitely prefer apple <laughs> well apple doesn't host apple though podcast. they don't host like they're not they don't host podcasts they don't host rss feeds so like there's like three or four systems it's like soundcloud libsyn is the one that's been around forever um and you just feed mm-hmm. that to apple so you like you give them the link to your feed okay now i'm telling people how to make a podcast but <laughs> <laughs> anyway long story short uh, there won't be a disruption in there. There won't be like a serious disruption in your service, but like it might re-download a whole bunch of episodes, or you might have like one week where things get a little wonky. Um, subscribe to if you subscribe to our Twitter um, at phys- physical kid WKLY physical kid weekly. We'll give updates there too, so we'll let you know when that's happening, and um, that's a good way to make sure that you find out all the things. Yeah. Cool. We good? I think We're so. Good. Nate, thanks for joining us. Really fun to have you. I don't think yeah. we've had the same guest two weeks in a row, like, ever. <laughs> that's, that's what happens when we promise an episode and give you another. <laughs> oh, guys, I had a great time. love talking about magicians with you guys. Yeah, well, thank you. And Muntjac and all that. Yeah, I'm excited. Season three. Woo! Two. Only five months away. <laughs> Bring it on. <laughs> all right. Well, we'll, we'll see y'all again soon. Um, this, uh, yeah, yeah, stuff. Okay. Bye. <laughs> bye. Bye.
mind slide. Also, I'm repping a lot of dog hair, apparently. <laughs> <laughs>